Welcome to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Welcome to A Fork in Time, your alternative history podcast. I am your host, Alexis Shelley, and I am flying solo today. Uh, Of course, that probably means if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know what country we're probably going to be visiting uh, for our Fork in Time jaunt today. Uh, We're going to be going back to Great Britain. Our fork today is going to be, uh, what if Queen Victoria had been assassinated? Uh, if my dad was here, he would probably uh, be chuckling at this point. He He's aware that uh, Queen Victoria is not my favorite of the British monarchs, um, but she did do some great things uh, for that country that we will get into uh, later on in this podcast. Uh, but according, uh, as we like to do here on A Fork in Time, let's set the scene a little bit. Uh, If anybody knows about Queen Victoria, she actually survived eight different assassination attempts. Uh, We're going to focus on just one of them for our little jaunt down a fork in history today. Some background on Queen Victoria. She was actually born in 1819 uh, in London at uh, Kensington Palace, actually. Uh, She ascended to the throne in 1837 uh, as just 18 years old. So um, she was quite a young monarch. And the uh, first assassination attempt, actually the fork we're going to be taking, actually happened on June 10th of 1840. Uh, That was the very first time someone attempted to take her life. Uh, That someone was an 18-year-old barkeep by the name of Edward Oxford. Uh, And the fork, of course, we're going to be taking is that that assassination attempt actually succeeded and that she uh, ultimately passed away in that assassination attempt. As opposed to what happens, she goes on and actually in the real timeline, she lives until 1901. She has a very long life, actually up until her great, great, great granddaughter, uh, Elizabeth II, the current monarch, um, past her, she was actually the longest uh, surviving monarch to uh, assume the throne of Great Britain, uh, Queen Victoria was. So again, we're going along the vein that on June 10th, 1840, young Edward Oxford actually succeeded in his mission to uh, take the life of the young queen. To kind of set the scene on that day, uh, Victoria and her husband Albert had married in 18, uh, 1840 in February of that year. Uh, so they were some newlyweds. Uh, they'd been only been married about about four months at that point. Um, and they were just taking a little uh, jaunt through the park in London uh, in a carriage. Uh, Victoria was actually four months pregnant with her first child uh, with Albert. Uh, that little, um, that child was a girl. Ultimately, she was uh, born, she was named Princess Victoria after her mother. Um, so Victoria and Albert are just driving along in their carriage. 18-year-old Edward, he, he pulls out his uh, dueling pistol uh, and he po- points it at the queen and fires from a fairly uh, fairly close range. It was only about six paces. Uh, there's some differing opinions on whether the gun fired, uh, whether it actually uh, shot, some shot a bullet or uh, if it misfired or jammed. 
Um, but mainly what I read said that it actually did fire. It did actually shoot a bullet. And the only reason it missed the queen is because she had kind of turned to her left. She was looking at a horse that was passing along the other side of the road as uh, they were driving along in that park. So uh, sh the first shot actually missed the queen. And then just before uh, Oxford was able to fire a second pistol, the queen actually ducked uh, for safety. She kind of had heard the noise of the first uh, pistol, first shot and able, was able to duck for, duck for safety before he was able to fire that, that second pistol. So that ultimately led to uh, her, her uh, surviving that assassination attempt. And what would have happened if, um, if that hadn't have happened? If she uh, was actually shot by uh, Edward Oxford on that day in June? Um, there's, a, there's a few things. Of course, I mentioned she was pregnant with her first child, but... Um, Obviously, if, if she had died, that first child would have would have died with her. And ultimately, uh, there would have been no other children from Queen Victoria. Most famously, there wouldn't have been her son, uh, the future Edward VII, who was actually born in 1841. If Victoria dies in 1840, there's no, uh, no son to be born in 1841. That was Edward VII, who uh, ascended the throne in 1901 after the death of his mother. If Victoria passes away with no issue, with no children then the crown actually goes to her uncle, uh, her uncle Ernest in this case, who's the fifth son of George III, her grandfather. Uh, Victoria's father is actually uh, Edward the uh, Duke of Kent, um, who's uh, a son of George VI. But her uncle Ernest um, would have been next in line to uh, succeed Victoria if she had died with no uh, heirs to the throne. So to kind of chase that rabbit just a little bit, what would have happened to Britain if we had had a King Ernest as opposed to a Queen Victoria and eventually a King Edward VII? A couple of things. Uh, one, Ernest was an ardent supporter of the Protestant cause, specifically in Ireland. Uh, Ireland is famously a Catholic uh, nation, but there was uh, some movements to um, bring them over to the Protestant Protestant cause, and uh, Ernest was a big proponent of that. He uh, famously kind of uh, said that Catholics had um, caused some caused some strife. Uh, most most famously, kind of the gunpowder plot. If you'll um, if you're familiar with that plot, it was in 1605, where some Catholic um, Catholic um, supporters kind of rallied and tried to overthrow the government. They ultimately were going to blow up the House of Lords when uh, the king and uh, several members of his family were, were in attending the uh, state opening of Parliament and were uh, going to ultimately uh, try to install a Catholic uh, monarch on the throne. So that was probably one of the reasons why um, Ernest was not in favor of Catholics really gaining a lot of power in England and Britain uh, as a whole, uh, was kind of the, the, the bad light, uh, Catholics were seen at, seen in, in terms of, um, being in power. Um, but on the positive side for Ernest, he actually supported the, uh, the support of the expansion of railroads. Ernest actually becomes the King of Hanover. You'll remember that the Hanover, Hanoverians, which is the family who's in charge of Great Britain and ruling Great Britain at the time, uh, actually came over from Germany, from Hanover. So they still have a very close connection to the throne of Hanover. And Ernest is actually, uh, becomes King of Hanover. Uh, it's important to note that Victoria cannot accede to that throne. 
um, because she is a woman. So Ernest actually becomes king of Hanover, and he actually supports the expansion of railroads in Hanover, which ultimately leads to that uh, part of the world becoming a major railway junction. So it's possible that, uh, much like Victoria did, it's possible that Ernest was going to be an ardent supporter of the expansion of railroads in Great, railroads in Great Britain. And um, it might have been even a you know, expedited timeline for that. Uh, Victoria becomes a proponent of, you know, technological innovation and railroads and things like that, but it might have been in a faster timeline if Ernest had uh, acceded the throne in 1840 in Great Britain. Um, he also traveled widely throughout uh, Hanover, and anybody could have laid a, t a petition uh, before him to get something uh, addressed. So that's another um, possible change that might have happened, is there might not have been as much of a uh, separation in government between the common people and th and the monarch because anybody could come and lay a petition uh, before him for something that they wanted addressed in his uh, in his uh, government. Lastly, he opened ministerial positions to those of any class, uh, kind of broke that barrier um, in Hanover. So again, possible uh, that we would have had more of a common people uh, rising up and coming into government positions in Britain. Uh, might not not might not have had as many lords and uh, dukes and things like that that were taking those positions, but might have had more of an electorate, uh, more people coming from merchant classes or lower classes to fill those positions. Uh, but let's kind of go back and talk about more uh, things that would have uh, changed if Victoria had died on that uh, fateful day in 1840. There probably wouldn't have been a either no no expansion or lessening of an expansion to the British Empire. It was during the first 20 years of Queen Victoria's reign that the empire really increased. It actually increased at a rate of about fivefold um, in terms of colonial possessions of Great Britain around the world. Uh, so monarchy and monarchy was kind of seen as this pivotal point in imperial pride. So it is possible that without Queen Victoria, there wouldn't have been that figurehead that would have been so uh ingenerative on uh, on the empire so we might not have seen the rapid expansion of that empire you know the famous adage is the sun never set on the british empire and that's kind of the, the victorian uh mantra so to speak and so Without Queen Victoria as that figurehead, would, would we see the uh, the Indias being part of the the British Empire, the Australias, the Canadas, the you know the various nations around the world, the British Commonwealth, which actually um, is a proponent that has come out of the British Empire as those uh, various uh, nations were actually granted independence, they uh, decided to kind of maintain a relationship with the crown. Um, and that uh, British Commonwealth to this day has about 53 nations in it. So would that British Commonwealth be as big as it is? Uh, would that British Commonwealth even if it existed because of the close relationships that those uh, countries decided to maintain with Great Britain, if Victoria had died, uh, that's one big thing that we might not recognize today is is the former British colonies. Victoria actually becomes Empress of India in 1877 because of uh, the links with India and, and Britain. So again, not seeing those those big um, that big over expansion of the British Empire might not have happened if Victoria had not been the figurehead of, of the monarchy. 
Also, there would have been no, uh, no or possibly delayed relief for the famine in Ireland. Uh, as, we, as I mentioned briefly before, Ireland was a very Catholic nation. And so, again, if Ernest um, would have taken the throne, he was an ardent supporter of Protestant causes, specifically in Britain, might have not come to the aid of that nation as quickly or at all. Uh, Victoria, in addition to her role as Empress of India, she was actually nicknamed the Famine Queen in 1847. She personally donated uh, several thousand pounds of dollars, or seven th several thousand pounds of uh, money uh, to the British Relief Association to help with the famine in Ireland and some relief efforts. So uh, possibly no, or possibly delayed relief for Ireland, and it's possible that several more thousands of people would have um, ultimately died because of that famine. You might not have seen as much of the ability of immigration to America just because people were just dying so quickly that they weren't able to get out. So you might have cities like Boston uh, that is kind of the comes a hotbed for uh, Irish immigration, uh, you might not see those cities with that much of an Irish influence just because you're not having the population base that can even leave Ireland to immigrate to America. Um, furthermore, if there's no Victoria, there might not have been an improvement in the relationships with France. Uh, Victoria took a keen interest in improving relationships with that country. Uh, if you've heard on the, the podcast before, you know that the relationship between Britain and France has been a little bit of a tension-filled one for multiple centuries. Um, several wars, several treaties that ultimately did not do what they accomplished. And Victoria really took a keen interest in developing that relationship with France. She's actually the first British monarch to visit a French monarch since Henry VIII. Um, so it's it's fitting that kind of the last, last time we really talked about uh, relationships between Britain and uh, France were with Henry VIII and, uh, and his brother, uh, Prince Arthur. You know, Victoria is the first monarch to really visit uh, France and to really engender those two monarchies to each other um, since Henry VIII. So again, no relationship uh, really improving with France might not have set a very good precedent for, of course, we're not that far away in 1840. We're only about um, 60 years or so, not even, from really the First World War. And France is going to become a great ally uh, for Great Britain in in that fight. Uh, so it's it's important to note that Victoria really took a keen interest in uh, improving those relationships and kind of got that ball rolling so that when we get to the First World War and the Second World War, we have a strong bond between Britain and France um, that we might not have had. There's possibly also no gradual establishment of the modern, what we think of as the monarchy, of Britain. It is a modern constitutional monarchy. Uh, that really kind of started, Victoria was kind of the impetus for that. So she kind of placed a strong emphasis on moral and family values. It's kind of, you know, it's the Victorian values. When we think, what are Victorian values? Um, she really started that as opposed to the kind of sexual, financial, 
personal scandals of her family uh, that was associated with previous members of her family, uh, she kind of turned that on it turned that on its head and kind of made the concept of the family monarchy uh, with this kind of, you know, ideals and kind of moral center that really kind of became this uh, this family that the burgeoning middle class in Britain could really identify with. And it was really solidified uh, with Victoria. She became this great um, figurehead and great symbol of kind of morals and what what you should strive to be. Um, so it's important to note that without Queen Victoria having that influence and having that impetus, we wouldn't probably see the monarchy that we have today. Famously, her family was a little, um, little scandalous. You know, I mentioned that if she had died, her uh, uncle Ernest would have taken the uh, throne uh, if she had died without heirs. And famously, uh, George III actually instituted what was called the Royal Marriages Act in uh, 1772. And he did that because his his sons and uh, his family weren't making the best decisions in terms of who to uh, who to marry and who to, who to procreate with. Uh, they were famously um, hooking up, for, for lack of a better word, with with people who were uh, not the not the most moral, you know, had some were famous for some scandalous affairs and things like that. So he actually instituted the uh, the Royal Marriages Act, basically saying like, I get to d- I get to decide if who you're marrying is um is okay, and is a is a proper person for you to be marrying in the uh, into the royal family. And so Ernest, I mentioned, is the fifth son of George the third. It's important to note that uh, the first uh, few children that George the third had either had predeceased um, both Victoria and Ernest or had excluded themselves um, from uh, being eligible to take the throne because they had actually married in violation of the Royal Marriages Act. And so, again, Victoria kind of turned that on her head and went, you know, we're going to be everything my family has not been. You know, they've not been moral. They've not been holding themselves to the high standards. So we're going to do that. She kind of became the family the model family, so to speak. So that has been kind of my uh, jaunt into what of Queen Victoria had not uh, had not survived that fateful day on June tenth, eighteen forty. You know, of course, we would have had her uncle Ernest taking the throne, and then we wouldn't have. We ultimately wouldn't have had uh, probably uh, the current monarch uh, Elizabeth II, and we definitely probably wouldn't have had the um, high regard that we hold for that family um, and the kind of the fact that that family is so popular um, in current times, if Victoria had not kind of taken the reins and kind of reined everything, everything in. So it's important to kind of think about um, what, what would have happened if Victoria had died. Of course, she survived seven more attempts on her life. So she, she was quite a survivor. Um, She was quite a survivor. She was quite a, a stalwart figure. She also, of course, had nine children. Uh, we mentioned she was pregnant with her first, uh, Princess Victoria, uh, when she survives that first assassination attempt. And then a year later, her son Edward Edward is born. And it's important to note as well that uh, Victoria had nine children and she was very, uh, very much a royal matchmaker. Uh, she arranged marriages with several different um, families in Europe uh, to kind of 
link the families together through marriage with her children. And so kind of also extending along that line of she was kind of the the first kind of person to really get that ball rolling with the relationship with France. It also, you know, one of her her daughter marries the uh, the Kaiser in, in Germany and has to has to deal with that um, going forward. You know, her one of her other descendants also is married off to Russia. Uh, several different uh, monarchies around the world can actually claim uh, family connections to the monarchy of Great Britain, and there's blood ties to this day because of Victoria's family and those nine children and the connections that she makes in those marriage alliances uh, with her children and marrying them off to several different, uh, also royal houses in Britain. So, again, that's been kind of our, our jaunt along the path. Um, is what if Queen Victoria had not survived that uh, fateful day, June 10th, 1840, when she was shot at by the young Edward Oxford. Uh, I thank you for joining me on this solo uh, solo jaunt uh, down a fork in time. Uh, if you, of course, disagree or have a point that uh, I did not get to, if you'd like to reach out to us, we are there are several ways you could do that. You can uh, email us at a fork in time podcast at gmail.com. We always welcome uh, emails and we look forward to conversing with you. Uh, you can also uh, connect with us on Facebook. You can connect with us on Pinterest. You can also follow us on Twitter. So we're on several different um, social medias that, again, we, we welcome uh, conversation and discussion. Uh, you can find links to all of those at a fork in time podcast.com. Uh, that is our website. That is the official uh, kind of launching off point for everything a fork in time. Uh, again, there's also a forum on that uh, on that site as well, so you can uh, again connect with us and share your thoughts about um, anything I missed. If you uh, disagree with me, of course, this is all subjective. This is all open to opinion. So if you think uh, things would have turned out differently, I welcome hearing from you. You can also support the podcast, uh, become a Patreon of us. Uh, of course, we we aren't we aren't doing this for for financial gain. We are doing this to just uh, have an avenue to discuss. Uh, but if you want to help offset some of those costs of producing the podcast, we welcome we welcome you to join that. And of course, there's some different part perks that you will see listed on that website um, that you can take a part in. Of course, Patreons have kind of first dibs, so to speak, on suggesting uh, podcast topics. We welcome everyone to suggest podcast topics, but Patreons kind of get bumped up on the list, so to speak, if they have any topics they'd like to suggest. Again, we uh, thank you so much for joining us on A Fork in Time uh, today. Again, uh, to follow that famous adage from our, our baseball great, Yogi Berra, but of course we modified it a little bit. If you find a fork in time in the road, or if you find a fork in the road, take it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Join us next time.